pleasure anshu i mean it's a, it's a pleasure reconnecting after more than a decade i should say and and yes. uh, i'm actually looking forward to this conversation me too venki it's such a delight talking to you again uh, we've spoken in different circumstances inside <laughs> conference rooms <laughs> this will be so much fun definitely definitely i mean for the first thing i want to check anshu i mean you've been in sales like me for many decades yeah. and boom there is a switch yeah. what happened anshu <laughs> it almost sounded like what what went wrong anshu <laughs> <laughs> no i think uh, you know broadly there were two things one um, i was uh, pretty much done with corporate life and when i say that i want to put a rider here saying that uh, it is not one of those uh you know like like the show in movies when you're disgruntled with corporate life none of those okay i was very happy doing work in corporate life i used to enjoy work i would laugh joke even there and uh, obviously you know with microsoft it was great fun but i think personally i was done i was like there is something that i need to do in life which should be bigger than just this hmm. and uh, parallelly the other thing which is i think gone all through my life was this uh, love for stage Uh, this this idea of holding a mic and talking to people and making them laugh not that i ever did comedy but every time i would hold the mic and say something it was i tried to be funny always mm-hmm. even in corporate environments and uh, it was just a factor of those and then finally there was a tipping point where i said hey i don't want to be like 70 years old look back at life and say in this era in uh, you know the phase we are in is very different right you uh, can follow your passions if you want to and you can mm-hmm. you can make a living out of it So I said, let's not let's not have any regret. So then I just quit, and I was like, okay, let's do comedy. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, and and it's 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 wonderful. I mean, the world is starved of humor, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody is getting serious, and and uh, COVID actually made people even more serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did I think the world needs laughter? Yeah, the... Anshu. Sorry. How did COVID transform Anshu? well uh, you know a lot of lot of the things that we used to learn or care about in corporate life sometimes even practice kind of came into play mm. you know one would think that all these trainings and thinking out of the box and all the jargons that we use in corporate life would never help you mm. but it did because when covid happened uh, you know for us uh, the whole format was live shows right having the yeah. audience right in front of you and you're telling the jokes on stage and they're laughing and you're getting a live feedback immediately right. and uh, for the first few weeks it almost felt like end of career mm. uh, it was as drastic as that and you know i used to speak to a lot of other comedians and we were like hey if live shows won't happen and it looked like it won't happen for a long long time mm. and we were like this is it this is over for us like it's like you've taken an instrument from us while we wanted to play music so now we can't and then this whole corporate thing came in say so say no there has to be a better way there has to be some way in which we can do this mm-hmm. so i jumped into doing online shows beautiful and uh, that's where i bought these mics and all these things and i said hey let's give it a shot like if the world has changed so would comedy i guess mm-hmm. and uh, it worked it worked a different format it took a little bit of time getting used to this whole idea of performing to a laptop Um, <laughs> but it did, I think. Yeah, but uh, it did. In the last eighteen, nineteen months, I would have done close to about two hundred shows. Really? Uh, yeah. So, so it's kind of this whole thing that uh, don't give up. There's mm. always a way. Mm. Try, fail, get back again. See, right. see what works. Build on it. I think all those things came into play. Absolutely. And when you're into something like this, Anshu, mm. sometimes you tend to be alone. Oh yeah. What what kind of support mechanisms did you build? 
See, this is one thing I've realized about the art that I'm in, right? Uh-huh. Which is stand-up comedy. It's a it's a very lonely job, mm. per se. And uh, I say that because you know there is this whole razzmatazz of being on stage with spotlights and fans and selfies and stuff and all that thing that goes along with it, which is fine. But that normally happens for one two hours in a day, mm. right? and only when you're going for the show. The rest of it is you're just sitting alone. Mm. Because you're writing most of the time, you're observing the world, you're thinking of jokes. All of that is fairly lonely job. Mm. Uh, the support system that really works for people like us, and when I say people like us, largely comedians, mm. is uh, somebody giving us a reality check. Mm. Uh, and that happens in my family very often, like uh, because <laughs> because all of these things kind of get into your head when people come and take selfies, and you know you think you become a very big star and all those things, uh, and that always affects art because art mm. you need to be really true to yourself, mm. and they give a reality check. So mm. and uh, so that kind of really helped, and especially when COVID came in, things were falling apart so dramatically. Uh, every attempt was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's see what happens. You know, like let's do online shows. Let's try this. Let's build, you know, let's record from your phone and put up videos, all of those things. I think the family kind of always kept pushing. Absolutely. And trust the wife to show you the mirror is what you're saying. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh man. She shows it to me like a (laughs) hundred times in a day. (laughs) Very nice. Very nice. Now, I mean, I'm just trying to connect this to sales, Hancho. Yeah, yeah. Sales, we have this thing called situational fluency. Yeah. Which means you're in front of the customer, you're listening to the unspoken. And possibly when you're performing, right, you're also observing everybody in the room and assessing, right? You're you're doing a dipstick. How does does that work for you, Hancho? I think it's the essence of what we do. Mm. And uh, it's one of those things that you learn over time as a comedian, mm. uh, like you're pathetic at it in your first couple of years, uh, because what happens is uh, you have a set of jokes. Okay. And mm. jokes normally take a lot of time for us to write. So just to give you a sense, mm. a one hour show that mm. we would do normally takes about three or four months of writing daily for four to five hours. Seriously? And that's when, yeah, yeah. So that's when you get a one-hour show ready, which are jokes which are worth telling on stage, and you know people would laugh. So initially, what happens is you a don't have the skill set to understand the room, mm. uh, b you don't have too many jokes, mm. and c you don't have the confidence to change the environment around you mm. if something is going wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So if you go on stage and you start telling your jokes, and you can see people are not laughing. You just keep telling your jokes, right? Um, and over time, what you learn is how to read the room, mm. how to read the laughter. Even there are different kinds of laughter. Mm. Uh, there's body movement happening. There's shift in the eyes, and it all becomes very automatic after some time. Right. Like I've done close to about I think about seven hundred shows till now, mm. uh, and now it's something that just happens. All the, I, I'm not even thinking that it's happening. I'm reading. I know exactly at what line, at what joke, somebody mm. in the front few rows that we can see from stage, mm. who who like moved in the chair, ah. who went like this, you know, those kind of things. So you read them very carefully. Mm. And then to adapt to that mm. is something that, uh, frankly, stand-up comedy has taught me. Uh, it is not, this is something that I didn't see in corporate life. Mm. Uh, you know, you, we've all been there enough number of times. You know how many times we would get up into a conference room, there are a bunch of colleagues or customers or partners who are sitting and you have to give a presentation. Yeah. You spend a lot of time making the presentation. You have some 30 odd slides, I don't know why. And then you start giving the presentation and you know people are not listening. Mm. 
you know they're waiting for coffee you know somebody's checking the phone you know you've lost the audience but you would still finish your 60 minutes giving that presentation because hey you know that's the way it's done mm. in our case it just changes very dramatically so if i get up on stage let's for example you know there's a crowd sitting i get up on stage i tell a husband wife joke and i don't get a response immediately my brain goes that's not the kind of material they want wow. right they're mm. not into this husband wife thing and at the back of my head i'm changing my entire sets and bits that i have to do <laughs> forward so i change my material we never change presentations right we uh. we i have never seen in corporate life and i tell them i do these art of storytelling workshops and i tell these people i said have you ever stopped the presentation and acknowledged that hey i've lost you guys okay let me just stop i've lost you guys let's just talk about things like don't look at the slide tell me where did i lose you wow. and let's try to kind of get back the room mm. never happens never happens but that's yeah. something that you know as in stand up comedy is like life for us very good very good i mean which means you're observing all the time and you're optimizing oh yes oh right. yes oh yes awesome. i did this thing on a zoom show um, i remember uh, you know i was doing this online zoom show and normally i would limit the audience to about 48 people so that you know two windows of zoom can go right 24 yeah. each uh and then during the show i would keep flipping just to see the reactions of everyone mm. and after the show i genuinely just started talking to the audience right and we were just having a free chat because everybody was at home and you no know, stuff like that and i told them this this thing in some different context i told them i said hey you know it's easier to now observe you people because you're right in front of me in the, mm. on the screen right it's mm. difficult being on stage with lights on you and they didn't believe this whole idea so i told right. them so i i told them i said let me give you an example mm. and there was a joke that i had done during the show i said on that joke now i'll go window by window and tell you how you guys reacted to it wow. and i went and pointed out i said you enjoyed you enjoyed you didn't like the joke you couldn't understand what i was saying and and i was right and they were like how did you do this and i said i don't know it's just just what we do very now nice. very yeah. nice and and you touched upon something important anshu which is about storytelling yeah in fact there is a saying the future belongs to the right which means yeah. people who use the right side of the brain yep how did anshu cultivate his right when all he was using yeah. is the left side in the job <laughs> yeah you know this is one of the one of the things that uh, i wish more people understood and and i say that because storytelling you know as a phrase is also used like non stop in corporate life in every board meeting in every sales meeting and everybody's like ah, let's do storytelling let's do storytelling and i don't think we understand like in corporate life very rarely people understand what storytelling is really about mm. um and it takes time it takes a lot of effort uh it takes a lot of self awareness to be a good storyteller right. it just doesn't happen because we're not talking about telling stories like you know uh, you know that once there was a king and a queen that's all okay <laughs> but now either in business or in stand up comedies the stories have, have you know very different uh, uh impacts so mm. to say and i believe it's a game of uh, three things largely uh, the mindset mm. the skill set mm. and the tool set Mm. that you need to tell stories mm. right uh mindset is the most important in my view mm. because uh, you need to first understand what stories are sure right there is there is always a beginning there's always a middle there's always an end mm. middle is where the complexity is mm. right and if you don't make the complexity if you're not articulate about that if you don't make it strong enough mm. the beginning and the end doesn't matter exactly. right how many movies have we seen where we came out and said yeah you know we didn't like it and the only <laughs> problem we didn't like it was 
largely the only problem was that there was no real complexity mm. right that had to get resolved in the end sure. and we couldn't just connect there right mm. and that kind of a mindset to be always in that mode to understand how to tell stories what is the structure how to understand what you're saying to be succinct while you're mm. saying it mm. the usage of words you know all of those things come into play mm. skill sets is just just a different aspect of it. it it requires a lot of practice mm. like when i went up on stage the first time i, I still have that video of me doing my first 10 minutes on stage now when i look at it and i was like oh my god there were so many things which are wrong with it <laughs> the way i was talking the way i was holding the mic the way i was moving on stage right but the whole thing was i went back and saw it mm. and then made changes mm. in in corporate life we don't do that exactly right we don't we don't like every show that i do as a stand up pretty much not only me every comedian Hmm. every single show that we do hmm. we record it on our phone wow. voice recording if not hmm. video okay voice hmm. recording 100% every show is recorded hmm. and then mostly on the night the same night when we have done the show we could hmm. after the show we might go to a party we might do whatever but when we come back home or to a hotel room we would listen to that show again the full one hour on the same night because you remember the faces you remember the reactions and then when you listening to it then you understand on this joke the laugh was bigger on this they didn't get it right and then you start making changes to your material but wow. you do listen every single time and you like like i said like 600 plus or whatever shows i have listened to those shows every single time and we make changes we don't do that in corporate life i mean a you can't record most of the stuff but even if you have to just think about what you had said the number of words you had used the you know whether the impact was strong enough or not those things i think that's where the skill set comes in that's where the practice comes in you need to be really really into telling stories mm. become a good storyteller right right it's not a phrase that you can use in corporate life and get away with it absolutely so so i think that that really comes into play tools are all easy everybody mm. now has tools right the mm. phone the laptop the software all of that thing is okay mm. but it's the mindset and the skill set that people need to focus on wonderful wonderful and it, i mean it's not something you dabble on the side it's something yeah. which requires hard work it's core uh, you need to believe in the fact that it is core to your existence mm. because stories connect it's as simple as that right mm-hmm. stories mm-hmm. always connect mm. uh, whether you are sitting in a boardroom or you're sitting with your friends and having tea mm. stories is what we have been brought up on and that's the only way of connecting with people especially with strangers yeah. uh, and that you need to strongly believe in Excellent. Excellent. Now I'm curious about one more thing, Anshu. Remember, as a stand-up comedian, you need to stay fresh. Yeah. That means you need to keep learning. Yeah. How does Anshu learn? Which is, uh, yeah, that's the most difficult part of it. I thought the life would be much easier becoming a stand-up comedian. I was like, jokes would just come, you know. <laughs> so I would be sitting in a coffee shop the whole day, drinking coffee, and suddenly I would think of a joke. But then I realized, no, it's not that. Mm. Uh, so there are two things which uh, which help at least me. Mm. One is uh, reading a lot of stuff. Very nice. Uh, and uh, when I say reading, it's not just about reading about comedy mm. or about the art mm. or about comedians' biographies or anything like that. It's about reading different things, mm. which adds perspective. Right, mm. things that you're not even interested in sometimes, but you would mm. just go pick up and say, "Hey, well, let me read a few pages and see where it goes." Mm. Uh, that just keeps your mind fresh. Right. I read somewhere very early in the career. I read somewhere that when you know when you're as a writer as a comedian, when you are inspired, write. Mm. 
right? When you're not inspired, read. Ah, wonderful. Okay. wonderful. So your brain, brain always moves. I think that is one thing surely that, uh, that kind of uh, really helps in this format. Mm. And the second is being more observant. Mm. Mm. It's both a, it's both a skill set and a curse, frankly speaking, because now we seem to be observing too many things, but just keeping your mind open to stuff mm. is very, very important. Uh, like now when I go to parties, I think I'm quieter than I used to be uh, when I was in corporate life. Right. Because there I was trying to be funny and making everybody laugh and having a good time. Now in parties, I'm just observing people, what they're mm. saying, what they're thinking. And I think about those things. So the brain is always functioning. So right. I think that those, those things really help. Very nice. And in a way, I mean, what you're saying is, how do you see what others don't? Yes. You have to peel the layers, right? You have mm. to peel the layers. You know, the thing, uh, you remember there's this thing called mind maps that we yeah. often use, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's a technique you'll be surprised that a lot of comedians use. I use it like, uh, like crazy. Mm. And the, the reason I use it is like, because you look at anything that is going around you. Mm. And when I start thinking about jokes, right, you create the first layer of connections. Mm. Uh, those are the most obvious ones. Mm. That is what a bad comedian would joke about. <laughs> right. But when you start peeling the layer, which is when you start going into the next level of nodes and the next level of nodes, mm. the jokes really come at the outer level, the mm. good ones, mm. right? because that's when you have figured the most simplest aspect of what you wanted to say. Mm. And it is something that others wouldn't think. Mm. So you as an audience, when, when I'm talking about whatever it is, right? If I, if I crack a joke, you'd be like, Hey, this is very relatable. I could have done this. But the fact is you didn't sit with the mind map and create around a thing like, let's say, you know, a, a donut, but I do it. So, so the more, the more you peel the layers, I think the more simple it becomes and the more mm. relatable it becomes and surely the funnier it becomes. Mm. Very nice. Now, now Anshu, you're by yourself and you perhaps have a team of people around you. Yeah. Now, how do you scale, Anshu? People say there is skill, scale, and speed. That's the yeah. mantra now. How yeah. does Anshu scale? Yeah, so for us, scale means two things right now, mm. right? especially as a comedian. Uh, one is scaling uh, your market. Mm. Right? The number of people who know you, the number of people who would come to your shows, the number of people who follow you on social media, all of those things, right? Mm. Uh, in, in that, the most important is how many people actually buy a ticket and watch your show. Right. Uh, and that's largely a function of the quality of material that you do mm -hmm. uh, and how discoverable are you, mm. Mm. right? Uh, the quality of material is largely in my control mm. because I can just keep getting better at the craft Mm. And I know that the social media world that we live in will amplify it if they sure. like it. Mm. Right? So that's largely in my control, so to say. Mm. So I largely focus on that. I say just, just keep better, become better at writing jokes, right. Right? Yeah. write smarter jokes, write deeper jokes, like jokes, mm. more relatable ones that mm. you know anybody from 16 to 60 can hear and say, hey, this is funny. Mm. So, so that's more like my controlled part of it. Mm. Uh, then you know, it is then I think just a factor of uh, the other scale is what all you can do, mm. Mm. which is the beauty of this. And mm. I'll, I'll give you, I don't mean to kind of diss the corporate environment because I understand that it works in a process in a system <laughs> yeah. and it will collapse if that system is not there. Mm. But 
Today, what happens with me is, and this has happened in the last five and a half years that I've been doing comedy, is mm. I think of doing something which is other than stand-up, mm. and there is nobody to tell me mm. that you are not ready for it, mm. that you need some training for it, <laughs> that your level doesn't allow you to do this, or your position doesn't, nobody says that, right? So it is just my filter there is, how badly do I want to do this? Mm. And am I serious enough to do it consistently? Right. Right. So in my life, example, stand-up comedy was what I started off with. Mm. And then at one point of time, a couple of years back, I was like, hey, this podcasting is something that I want to do. Very nice. And, and I want to be, I want to be good at it. And there will be a time when I would be consistent and I have a podcast which is world famous. Right. Very nice. So nobody was there to tell me, hey, you can't do podcasting now. Okay, because you don't, you don't understand it. So I bought the equipment, I learned how to use it, I did my own recordings, I edited my own sound, I mm. did everything. And then I, you know, also read articles and took some workshops and stuff. Mm. But I did that on my own, I made a lot of mistakes, the podcast, you know, the initial one, at least was very bad, but you were listening to what the audience was saying, mm. right? you were getting that feedback, somebody would say, hey, I liked it, but it was too long. And then you were like, okay, this, I'm hearing this consistently, maybe one hour podcast don't work. Mm. Right. And if one hour don't work, and if I have to make 20 minutes podcast, then more work needs to be done, because exactly. now you have to, right? you have to think through this. Mm. So that happened. Then um, recently, uh, like just before COVID, I decided that uh, there are stories inside me, Very nice. which I want to tell to the world. Mm. But uh, they are not necessarily funny stories. Mm. Uh, and I said, the only medium that I can think of is either making a movie mm. or making a web series mm. uh, on Netflix or Amazon or whatever, right? Mm. And uh, I said, hey, I'm going to start uh, uh, writing a web series. Mm. Now, I didn't know anything about it, right? I didn't mm -hmm. know how to write series. I didn't know what screenplays are. I didn't know what software to use. I didn't know any bit about writing a web series. Mm. But I've spent, you know, last 19 months reading, thinking, uh, you know, learning from online workshops, whatever I could do, reading books. Beautiful. And I'm right now writing a web series. So the canvas is really blank. Tomorrow I might decide, hey, I want to become a singer, although that will never happen. But I'm saying the... You know, the whole notion that if you really want to do it, if in your head you're like, A, I'm serious, B, I'll be consistent. Mm. Then it's okay to jump, make mistakes, fail, keep trying and invest in that time and effort to get better at that craft. Wonderful. And that I wish could happen because we, we talk a lot about that in corporate life, right? Think out of the box, do something different. But the problem in corporate life is despite all the right intentions, all the creativity that you think of that you can possibly have in corporate life is directed towards a specific outcome. Mm. Mm. Right? Profit, numbers, sales, whatever it is, right? Mm. There's always an outcome attached to this idea of creativity. Mm. And that, in my view, stifles creativity a bit. Mm. Right? right? Because then you're under pressure to deliver an outcome. Mm. Like when I started a podcast, they were, if somebody had tell me by the third quarter, of the year your podcast should be the top 10 in india it's dead right I'm, I, then i'm being too careful probably will not do it there's too much pressure so yeah so i think art allows you to do that in some sense beautiful and would it be appropriate and sure to say you have learned more in the last 10 years than the previous All 30 18 years? no yeah 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 100 i think i've uh, i've learned more in the last five and a half years of doing comedy Mm. than I did uh, in 18 years of corporate life, surely. And uh, it's, I, th I think I'm also working harder. 
which is ironic because that's not what I had planned for. But, but I'm working harder now. I'm more invested in what I'm doing. Very Much, nice. you know, like it's a 24 by 7 thing. There's mm. no day offs. I hate holidays because I just want to get back to, you know, doing what I do. Um, nice. And the learnings are immense. I think the stakes are much higher. You're the mm. only one. There's Correct. nobody to support you. Mm. Uh, you don't get a salary at the end. Your worst situation is not a bad annual review. Your worst mm. situations could happen every night when nobody's laughing and that hurts. Mm. So yeah, surely I think the learnings have been much more, much more. Wonderful. Wonderful. And lastly, I mean, remember everything that you do on Shu needs to serve a larger purpose, which is, yep. which is possibly the compass of your life. Yeah. In a way, has that compass changed? It's not really changed, changed as much as there's been a realization of that compass. Mm, mm. Uh, and it took me a long time. It's not, it's not something that happened when I quit corporate life. Uh, it didn't happen when I first went on stage. Mm. Uh, I just knew that I was doing it. And I was like, everybody around me was like, you mentioned, right? It was a mm. crazy thing to do. And everybody around me was saying it was a crazy thing to do. And it didn't feel like that to me. Mm. Uh, and then much later, a lot of introspection, because I kept asking myself, I said, why comedy? Mm. Of all the things that could happen, mm. right? Why comedy? Because I have a lot of interest in tech. I have a lot of interest in sports. I have a lot of interest in music. Mm. Anything could have been a career choice, right? Sure. If I had to do it, but why comedy? And then I realized that throughout my life, mm. the idea of making somebody laugh was cold to me. Very nice. Right? Irrespective of the situation, irrespective of who it was, where it was. Uh, I remember Bhaskar Pramanik, uh, chairman, Microsoft, ex-chairman, he would be sitting in a massive review meeting discussing Xbox numbers with me and I would crack a joke and Bhaskar would look at me and say, don't, no, this is not the time. <laughs> You've just missed a quarter. But somehow it was very important. And, and you, you're shaped by what happens through your life, right? And while I won't get, you know, delve into that, those aspects of it, but the whole idea was making people laugh was very important to me. Mm. And uh, the day I realized it, which is not like far off, mm. as in long ago, but uh, the day I realized it, another thing flipped in my head, mm. which was that being a celebrity mm. is not important to me anymore. Very nice. Very nice. Being good at the craft became mm. more important. Mm. Okay. Because you, you, you get into this entertainment field, you want to be a star. You mm. want to walk into coffee shops, everybody should recognize you, people should take your selfies at airports, you know. You like that thing, it's natural. And I'm, I'm not saying it's bad, it's natural. But it became a secondary motive. Very nice. The primary motive then was like, hey, this is why I'm doing this. This is why mm. I jumped the ship. Mm. And it is to make people laugh. And mm. that's what I need to consistently do and become better at. Beautiful. So that has become your purpose. The medium yeah. doesn't matter. The environment the doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. The accolades don't matter. Yeah. All matters is, I mean, hey, am I helping people laugh? Yes. And now, now another thought is coming, which mm. is very dangerous because I think stand-up comedy over the world, across the world is changing also to a certain extent. Mm. You know, we've realized that when... When people are laughing, mm. they are at their most vulnerable self. Mm. Mm. Okay. Uh, it's something I wish corporate guys knew and had more fun in meetings. Mm. But people are most vulnerable when they're laughing. Mm. And you are the guy holding the mic on a stage. Mm. 
right? So apart from just jokes, jokes, if you could say something which can change mindsets. Beautiful. Beautiful. Which could mm. which could just slightly shift the needle on certain issues. Mm. That you know, it's a huge responsibility, by the way. Correct. Uh, but that has given now more meaning to what I do. Wonderful, wonderful. Right, that that I can say things which can change people's lives or their mindset or whatever it is. But I need to be good enough to do that in the first place. Which means I need to read more. I need to introspect more. I need to understand issues better. Not just go out there and say, hey, I have a political joke or whatever joke, right? But generally be involved so much that you understand what a viewpoint is. And then you present your viewpoint. It might be different from others. But you say, hey, this is what it is. Hey, by the way, there are jokes in it. Laugh. Enjoy yourself. But maybe think about it when you read the show. right? Very nice. So I think that is exciting. It's also very scary, but it's exciting. Absolutely. So, So in a way, there is an undercurrent or possibly a nuanced suggestion that yeah. you can make that it's actually yeah. pro- I mean proving a point in a way yes yes right yes yes but as long as it's rooted on principles I mean what there yes yes. Yeah. yes wonderful wonderful this has been an absolute pleasure Anshu pleasure reconnecting with you mm-hmm. I should say thank you so much for your time right okay, thank I'm you so much to, uh, I'm going to wish you the very best Anshu I mean it's a delight reconnecting with you Thank you so much. Likewise, Venki. And I have lots of time. So thank you for giving your time. I know you're the busy guy. Uh, But this is an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. 